I think too many real estate investors, especially new ones, are too broad. Yep. I mean, yep. they couldn't tell me their buy box if I asked. And even worse, Marcus and Mike, they're like, hey, I want to be in Phoenix. I want to be in uh, Tempe. Nope. I want to be in Sedona. I want to be in Las Vegas. I want to be here. I want to be here. There's no way you can get economies of scale. There's no way you can get momentum to learning a market. So I got laser focused because I had 20 minutes a day. That's all mm-hmm. I had. 20 minutes a day to look at my market. And guys, I looked at it. I looked at it every day for 20 years. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Azria Show. I am your host, Marcus Maloney, and we have our executive director and co-host, Mike Delpreet. How are you today, Mike? Wonderful, wonderful. Excited for today. Great, great, great. So guys, you missed me last week. I wasn't there last week, had to take care of some other things, but we are back in business and back on the train. And today we have Michael Zuber, who hails out of Silicon Valley, and he's done plenty of deals up there. So we want to talk in and we want to talk about one rental at a time. So Mike, I'm not going to dig too much into your bio. I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself to the audience, but you got started in what? 2002, correct? Turn it a new millennia. Yeah. Uh, 2002, December. I still remember when we closed on the first rental, right? The beginning of one rental at a time. People want to go look it up. It's 1818 North Drive East in Fresno, California, 93703. We bought that bad boy for 107 grand. And we were landlords, right? Wow. It rented right away for 1100 Uh, And then the story gets bad, right? Uh, my first tenant never paid rent again. They ended up going through divorce. He ended up trashing the property. So my beginning with one rental at a time was not the greatest beginning. Uh, I remember being uh, ready to quit. And my wife, Olivia, the the better half, uh, said, you know what, let's try this again, right? And we did, and and the story takes off from there. Next tenant goes in, never misses payment. Uh, If you look at Zillow, we sell the property for 264, like three years later. Uh, This was the crazy run-up from 02 to 06. Uh, We 1031 into an apartment building. And um, yeah, the rest is history. We go from owning eight houses to 80 units because we got out at the peak in in 06. So we were not hurt by the crash at all because we were sitting in apartments. So that journey keeps going and we start learning about hard money, private money. We start buying foreclosures out of the MLS and about, it's, it's been five years, 2018, I left the workforce. And I've been telling the one rental at a time story since then. So, so let uh, me that's, you, that's, that's us. So let me ask you this, Zuber, kind of starting out. I know you were up there in Silicon Valley, right? What were you doing pre-real estate? What was your occupation? What was your career? So I, I'm one of those guys that has advanced degrees. So I got an undergrad in economics, went back and got my MBA. I was an accountant that transitioned into sales. So I was a commissioned salesperson for most of my career, whether in pre-sales or sales or sales management, but I was all over the place. People don't understand how busy I hear it all the time. I'm too busy. I can't do it. Well, mm-hmm. I work 60 to 70 hours a week. 
I was typically on two, if not three continents a week, not states, continents. Wow. And I have a saying now that every day is Saturday because okay. for 10 years, almost 12 years, that was the only day off I had. I always flew home on Fridays, sometimes late. And most Sundays I flew to Europe or to South America or somewhere. And uh, so I only had Saturday. So that's a statement I've been saying a lot because now every day is truly Saturday for me because I get to choose what I want. But yeah, so I was busy. I really built this idea of a buy box. I think it okay. is, is absolutely where all new investors should start, right? We eventually find Fresno, California because the Bay Area doesn't cash flow, but I don't know Fresno, never lived there. But I talked to 20 or 30 people. Most people talked about the Mayfair district. That becomes my buy mm -hmm. box, but even that is too big. So I decide single family homes. Then I decide three or four bedrooms. Then I decide two, two baths, two car garage. And dude, that's all I looked at for three years. That one little speck for three years. I think too many real estate investors, especially new ones, are too broad. Yep. I mean, yep. they couldn't tell me their buy box if I asked. And even worse, Marcus and Mike, they're like, hey, I want to be in Phoenix. I want to be in uh, Tempe. Nope. I want to be in Sedona. I want to be in Las Vegas. I want to be here. I want to be here. There's no way you can get economies of scale. There's no way you can get momentum to learning a market. So I got laser focused because I had 20 minutes a day. That's all mm -hmm. I had. 20 minutes a day to look at my market. And guys, I looked at it. I looked at it every day for 20 years. So let me ask you this, Zuber, because I know you kind of went through your history a little bit quick for us, but I know you were into trading, right? You was in the trading oh. stocks and everything like that, right? So Oh, you, you want to bring this story up, Marcus? Yeah, yeah. I want to bring man. some pain points up, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. So again, I talked earlier about my advanced degrees. When you're an MBA student, econ guy, accountant, you think you understand financial markets, you start doing research. So my trading started out quite well. I turned mm -hmm. seven grand into almost $200,000. Wow. And then... I got cocky. I stopped doing the work. I got lazy. I got overconfident and I succeeded in losing 80% of that. Wow. So I so, came to real estate investing, a wounded individual. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the stock market kind of beat you up. That was around that dot com <laughs> yeah. craze. Right. And then you decided to jump into real estate and then, but then you said one of the key things that you said there is like, you said that you, you started doing it basically virtually. And this was some years ago before virtual investing kind of really even took off. And you said, Hey, you know what? San Francisco just couldn't cash flow for me. So you went and looked at another area, which is Fresno. Now, what gave you the gall to say, hey, you know what? I live two and a half hours away. I live three hours away. Let me just invest down here versus staying in my own backyard. Even though it don't cash flow, being a new investor seemed like you would be a little bit more comfortable with that. Well, again, I got to give full credit to Olivia, the wife, the better half. Um, I'm a, I believe in, I call myself a hammer sometimes because I will keep doing things yep. like consistently. That's my, I'm broken, right? That's my trait. Sound so like I wish I could, <laughs> yeah. So I, I wish I had a sexy answer. The answer is I spent 52 week, uh, 52 weeks looking in the Bay area. So I'm a slow learner. Wow. My wife had to sit me down at the kitchen table and say, Michael, I am not going to do this again. You either pick a new market or we're going to do something else. Okay. So that was my, okay, well, I can, the magic street of cash flow in the Bay area doesn't exist. We have to do something else. So 
The answer was I going to get on an airplane or was I going to drive? And as somebody who hates flying, but does a hundred thousand miles, I was not getting on an airplane to go see my rentals. So we pulled out a California map and we started drawing circles. And the first major city when by major, I mean, over a hundred thousand people that had cash flow was Fresno, California. Okay. Never been there. Didn't know anyone. Never. It's just, I had to. The one thing that worked by spending a year investing in the Bay Area is I knew how to do it. I knew I needed to talk to agents and, and lenders and property managers, mm -hmm. and I can get a feel for what things would cost and all of that. So learning Fresno was faster because I had done it in my backyard. But yeah, we spent a couple of months and then we bought Norris Drive. And I put 20% down because I didn't know any better. It cash flowed. It was the 1% rule, right? 107 bought for 1100 I don't use that today, but that's what I used 20 yep. years ago. But yeah, I had I, I had to make a choice, Marcus. The way I put her foot down, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Something that popped, uh, I'm catching. I have a lot of notes already. So this is great. So you mentioned your wife multiple times in the first three to four minutes. Okay. Yep. So so going into real estate investing, especially when you're new, you're, you have a nine to five, you're trying to figure things out. That support from your spouse I, I preach is huge. You can't do it without that support. And so can we talk about the importance of having your spouse on board? They don't have to be in the business, but they need to understand what you're doing at least. So how can you talk about that part in your life? Yeah, Mike, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it, I bring it up on purpose because hopefully we could talk about it. Mm -hmm. I've been asked a lot of times about this. And let me be very clear. If your spouse is 99% on board, they're not on board. Mm. Mm. It's got to be a hundred because again, remember I came into this as Marcus correctly admitted after losing $160,000, I was wounded, right? My wife saw us grow a stack from seven grand to 200 yeah, only to lose 160 grand. So that hurts, right? I mean, that hurts. Yeah, That hurts. It yeah. still hurts, right? <laughs> so then she goes, then she gets in the car with me for 52 weekends to look in the bear, think about the things she's doing, right? She doesn't have to do that, but she's yeah. in it. And then she goes, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's just enough. Mm -hmm. That's enough, Zuber. What the hell are you doing, right? This is not working. So she tells us to, and she actually helps us find Fresno too. I mean, this, she's in. But again, the, the point is, to your point, she wasn't in the business, but she was 100% on board. And when we had to get in a car to go look at Norris Drive, she was right there with me, two and a half hours away. We were in the property 15 minutes. And we're driving home. And she goes, Michael, pull over. I go, yes, dear. Of course. Yes, dear. Mm -hmm. She goes, why didn't you write an offer? I've heard you talk about this for more than a year now. This thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. If you don't write an offer on that property, I'm not coming back. Because she's had enough, right? So I'm yeah. like, oh, I guess I better write an offer, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So again, yeah. you got to get your spouse on board 100%, not 99, not 50. And how do you do that? You got to have conversations. You got to have, you just got to have some really hard conversations. Today, you got to remember when we started in 2002, the Great Recession didn't happen. The housing mm -hmm. blow up didn't happen. There's right. a lot of people that have been burned, injured, maybe not them specifically, but their parents were burned. So mm -hmm. dig in, figure it out, understand. And oh, by the way, let's have a real honest conversation. There are a lot of LPs today blowing up in syndications. Yep, yep. I can't believe the nonsense that occurred in commercial properties. It's the same crap that happened in residential 15 years ago. We just repeated it on a different level. Mm -hmm. There's going to be lots of people injured and will never come back. But yeah, you've got to dig in. You've got to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. They got to be 100%, not 99 
So yeah, I bring up Olivia all the time because I wouldn't be here talking to you guys with without her support, one hundred percent. Yeah, Marcus, we got to drop in like a clap for Olivia. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely. In <laughs> somewhere, give her a shout out. All right, yeah, that's definitely. awesome. Man. I can attest to that, man. Those little like, hey, I'm driving, pull over, why don't you write the offer? Like those yeah, little the things yeah. uh, they do that just kick you in the butt, and you're just like, yeah, huh? <laughs> and it works. Yep. It's it's crazy, man. I don't know how to explain it, but great, great story. So, so Zuber, you, you talked specifically about buy box, right? Which is very, very important. What are some of the the main mistakes, like you said, newbies start out when not having that buy box? What's some of the things that can s- slow their growth by not having that buy box? I think there's a lot of people, and I'm sure Marcus and Mike, you see this all the time. New investors get excited. They're almost vibrating. Yep. Like, this is going to be the thing that sets me free. Yep. And then you ask them, what are they looking to buy? They can't tell you. I just want a deal. What the hell is a deal? Exactly. What are you looking at? And one weekend, they come to an event, and it's Airbnb arbitrage. The next week, it's Burr. Then it's, I'm going to go raise private capital. And then it's this. And then it's, or even worse, they could come to you and say, you know what? I'm going to buy a single family home. Great. I get that. But where? Oh, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, yep. Palm Springs, Miami. I mean, come on. Yep. In or, real estate investing, it is my 100 be- belief to my core is a skill. You are not a naturally born real estate investor. And because it is a skill, we can all learn it. How do you learn any skill? Playing music, learning a language, playing golf, practice, practice, practice. Real estate investing is about focus in daily discipline. Once you understand a buy box and can articulate what a great deal and a bad deal is, you can take that skill to any market and any asset, but it takes time. And most investors won't invest the time. I think it takes at a minimum 90 days and for some people, 180 days to learn the skill. And then it's, then you can repeat it anywhere you want in a faster timeframe. But yeah, man, most investors are all over the place. They're not focused or worse. Oh my goodness. How many times have you run across an investor who has some cash and they're acting like it's burning a hole in their pocket? Yep. Yep. And, and, or, and then this is like the worst thing I hear. I, I've been looking for three weeks. I haven't found a deal. I'm just going to buy one to, to lose some money, but I'm going to learn. I'm yeah. going to learn. It's going to, it's going to be my education. I'm like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to lose money on purpose. You know what? You can send me 500 bucks a month and right. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll let take you lose it. money with me. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that, crazy things you heard. We get that a lot here at Esri. It's like when someone's new, I just had this question the other day and it's like, how do I know when a deal comes? And then like you said, I could probably make it a short-term rental or I can assign it or I can, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss out on the opportunity. And, and the answer is just no. It's like, I get the feeling. Doing? Yeah, it's like, so we're yeah. big on pushing the investor identity, like creating, we do a, group, a, a program called the Launchpad, where it's like you create your identity as to who you are Perfect. and you focus on that. So that, that's know thyself piece of advice. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah, and, and a buy box stop you from being distracted. And I kind of sum that all up because like you said, People jump from thing to thing, from item to item, you know, trying to figure it out because they don't know exactly what they want to do. And you even scaled it down, Zuber, even further. You said, okay, we're going to be in Fresno. All right, but 
there's different pockets of Fresno. And that's one of the things that we teach. You can't just say Fresno or Phoenix. Yeah, there's difference between this side of Fresno, this side of Fresno. Is it single family? Is it duplexes? What are you looking for? That way, when you see it, there's no debate. You already know this is what I've been looking for the longest. Or even, I would say, when you're more specific, it gets you more deals. Because if you can articulate this to an agent, to a wholesaler, the deals come, you don't sound sporadic and confused. So it's deal flow too. Yeah, there's two things about a buy box. And I'm so glad you guys got both sides of it. When you're new, the buy box is permission not to look at anything else. Mm. Two, a buy box is deal flow. I would tell every new investor, your email signature should be your buy box. Ooh, I like that. Mm, yeah. It should be. Everybody and their brother should know what you are looking to buy. Because I've been buying for 20 some odd years. In 2020, it was a nutty market, as I'm sure you guys remember. Yeah, yeah. The deals that I got done were because people knew my buy box. It was off-market stuff. Hey, I got this listing coming. I give you 24 hours to respond. These are the numbers. We're not negotiating. I could say yes or no. Well, times I said yes. Yep. You hit a good point. And I'm going to, I had a thought to take, ask you towards the end of the podcast, but since you said, put your buy box in your email signature, so now you're promoting, right? You're marketing yourself. And I've been watching you probably almost since day one on Instagram, going from a couple hundred followers to, I just saw you get previewed on one of those YouTuber podcasts. I forgot his name. The guy with the, like the, the white hair. Do you yeah, Ryan Pineda, I think. No, no, another one. Well, that's another big one. But what yeah. I'm getting at is the power of social media that I've seen you go from zero to hero. Yeah. You're promoting yourself, right? You're, yeah. you're not being all flashy and you're putting out a message. You're putting out a buy box, right? Like, so can you talk about how social media has helped your business? Yeah, social media is amazing. When, when you are consistent, and here's a test. I mean, this is a test. If you really want to know who Mike Zuber is, I was featured on Bigger Pockets, I think in 2006, Josh Dorkin. I'm one of the first mm -hmm. 50 interviews. You can still find it on their YouTube channel. Go look it up, Michael Zuber or Mike Zuber. I forget how they titled it. My message today, minus some vocabulary tweaks, is exactly the same. And I am proud of that fact. I'm not chasing anyone. Yeah. I have raised multiple millions of dollars by never asking. I just talk about what I'm doing day in, day out, day in, day out. I never ask. I've never asked for a single dollar. People reach out to me going, I like what you're doing. I like your message. I can't, I don't want to do it for whatever reason, but I've got hundred, 500, a million bucks on the side. If you're willing to pay me 10% interest or whatever the rate is, let's go. Yeah. And that made a big deal, right? In 2018, when I left, I had never flipped a property, never flipped. I did one by accident back when they did that tax refund and whatever that was, 2010. Total accident, but it worked. I did mm -hmm. 56 flips in two and a half years, all with private money. They were the purchase. I was the repair. They made 10 or 11 points. I made the, the exit. And it was all because I've been consistent from day one. So social media, it's really the consistent. And believe me, you will not grow on social media if people sense your your. You're in it for you. Yeah. Social media authentic. done right yep. is when you are for them. And I try to do that every day. Love it, man. Well, yep. So hey, I love your 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 flow, man, what you've been doing, man. Keep it up. 
I'm sure you are regardless, <laughs> but yes. yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. It's nice to hear. Right. Cause again, yeah, man. you know, I have a YouTube channel for five years. I did a, what people don't realize. So another channel I was talking about was Sean Connell from think media. Okay. Uh, yep. And he's in think media. He helps YouTubers get started. Right. And mm-hmm. back to Mike Zuber being broken. So a lot of people in the YouTube world get upset after 10 videos and nobody's watched them. Right. I mean, this is just the world we live in. Right. Yep. I did 1,500 videos before I was monetized, 1,500. I averaged yep. three to four videos a day for a year, whatever that works out to. I didn't care. I wasn't in it for the monetization. I was in it to provide value. Mm-hmm. And when you do that long enough, momentum happens. Yeah. 1,500. Love it, man. That that goes along with offers, right? When we're right right it all correlates it's all the same can you read this this is kind of small it says do the work work i don't care what you want to do real estate investing lose weight have a great relationship shut up stop whining (laughs) no one cares do the work do the work that's it simple as that and knowing that work knowing what you want and it kind of ties back into that buy box knowing what you want and then just going out there and getting it so Zuber, I know you kind of liquidated everything, or I, w- I should say sold everything, and then you went into apartments. Why apartments? Why not stay on the track that you were on? And then let's start there. Why not stay on the track that you were on? Well, it's because of meetups like what you guys put on. I went to a real estate meetup. I was in the audience. I thought I was a big shot. We had six or seven homes at the time. And I was lucky enough to be in a meetup where Bruce Norris spoke from the Norris okay. group. Mm-hmm. And he introduced a concept that made logical sense to me, but I didn't know. And it was called the affordability index. And basically Bruce's talk at the time was single family homes are going to crash. Mm. He called it the California crash. You was can this look in San up. Diego? This one happened to me in San Jose. Got it. Okay. Same. He did this event. At I heard about this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Bruce, yeah. He was in Orange County for a long time. He's now in Florida. He's retired or semi-retired. But yeah, this was 2005 or six. He called a California crash, which got my attention, mm-hmm. right? Because remember, I had just lost 160 grand in the stock market. I wasn't yeah. going to do that again, right? <laughs> right. But right. whole boy's paying attention. Yeah. And he talked about the affordability index. It made logical sense. It was numbers. So I looked it up for Fresno because he was talking big cities. And I'm like, well, I have no idea. This is new. So the affordability index in Fresno, California, this is from memory. When I started buying in 2002 was a 51, which means half the people could have buy the median home. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. It got as low as I think it was like 13 or 15, which meant almost nobody could buy. Yep. And Bruce Norris's theory, which proved absolutely correct, was when you get that low, things blow up. Mm-hmm. So I went to the event. I listened. I took action. I got educated. And then I had belief. So then I, I took Norris Drive and sold it. Again, you could look it up on Zillow. I sold it for 264 Look at the date I bought it and the date I sold it. It's like two and a half years apart, and it went up 150%. Wow. So, okay, that property's up for sale. I then realized that I could either get a big tax hit, because, again, that's a big gain, mm-hmm. or I could look to move the money. It's called a 1031 exchange. So then the wildest thing happened, guys. Houses were spit expensive. But apartments were cheap as heck because nobody wanted to live in apartments. Landlords were doing first off two months rent, taking rent discounts. They were all vacant. No turn. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. 
2006 was a horrible time to be an apartment landlord. So I'm like, huh, sell high, buy low. Yep. That's the strategy. So, so we went from eight units to 80 units. In my book, One Rental at a Time, I document how we did the exchange to show you how the 80 happened. And the most important part was no new money. It was all capital. So so Norris Drive, you could look it up. It sells for 264. It gets foreclosed at 75 grand. Wow. 70% collapse. Right. But I'm sitting in an apartment, which, oh, by the way, when people start losing houses, they move to apartments. Yep. Yep. So rents go up. So again, I took, I went to a meetup. Meetups are crazy important. You just, that energy, those discussions, the people you meet. And when you do go to a person that is experienced like Bruce Norris and he tells you something you don't know, you better go figure it out because he could save your life. And I gave him full credit in my first book. But yeah, that's how we go to 80. It's an amazing story because our landlord group here at Ezria, Garrick O'Connell, he's from San Diego, and he went to those meetings as well, and he preaches on that every time, man, how it sounds like. Norse is a legend. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sounds like a legend for sure. So He a lot of people. (laughs) Yes, he did. If you took the action. (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) <laughs> so Zuber, right. It sounds like it sounds like you're willing to jump out and take risks, right? Because you jumped out, you did your mathematics in the stock market, you jumped into single family homes, then you jumped into um multifamily homes. Who did you get educated with in order to make that jump from single family to multifamily that gave you that confidence to say, All right, I can do this, let me go. Was it Olivia again? Well- no, well, this this time it was it was frankly a mistake. So I sell Norris Drive and I buy a property on Vassar and I assume everything is the same because all I had done is had eight single family homes. I don't know any difference, mm-hmm. right? Why is this apartment going to be different than a house? Well, lo and behold, I had a year of pain. Okay. Apartments are a lot different than houses. More turnover, more just handholding, oh. more complaints. You're paying for things that you didn't pay for before. Like I had no idea I paid for water. Why would I yeah. pay for water? Well, there's a grass area and a common area. And mm. it's just, so I unfortunately didn't get any education is the short answer. And I had a year of pain because of it. Yeah. It was a painful year. Hey, but you learned, right? You learned from, oh, that, yeah. from that experience. <laughs> pain is right? a great teacher, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Some people, and this is why I commend you is because some people will look at that and say, you know what? I'm used to, yes, I hear what they're saying, but I'm used to single families. I don't know anything about multifamilies. They'll take two, three years trying to learn about multifamily before they do something. And then by that time, it's too late. So yeah, I commend you. Marcus, you have no idea how right you are. So we go to this Bruce Norris event. I spend about 30 or 45 days learning what he was seeing because he'd been Mm -hmm. in, he called the California crash. So I took massive action. And then as soon as I was like, he's right, we had Norris Drive listed. And then we sold every house. We sold one at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. And we were out of our portfolio in seven-ish months. And the market rolled over the month after we sold our last one. And like I just told you, it went down 70%. If we had waited a quarter, like three yeah. more months, we could not have gotten out of everything. You're wow. Sorry. Wow. Well, you know yeah. what? Thank God for the real estate, not real estate, but the stock market, because you knew, hey, move fast move when it's that fast. time. Exactly. Yeah. When, it, when the tide goes against you. It, so again, I wrote about this a couple of times. I knew a crash was coming because I believed and I was educated on affordability, but I had no idea a 70% crash was coming. Yeah. No idea. yeah. No, I would have 20, 25% kind of felt like a decent number. I had no idea. So I sell Norris Drive for 264 
it goes to 300 mm. and then it retrades at 75. I thought 200, 190, right, but it retrades right. at step. So when the, the whole, when the, when the market goes against you and you see wave after wave after wave of inventory, that's how you get a massive price drop. It was, I, it was, I lived through it and I still can't believe what I saw happen. It was wild. So since we're on this and I know what is your thoughts on the market? I mean, I know it's, market specific it's a general kind con- uh question but w- what's your overall consensus of what's going on right now the beauty of having a youtube channel and being giving like we talked about earlier is i have receipts so the first thing to talk about is i called a housing crash about six quarters ago okay. and unfortunately for most people watching this it wasn't a crash in price it was a crash in transactions something i give away for free on my website one rental at a time.com is what i now call a 53-year spreadsheet I've gone all the way back to 1970 and pulled out 20 or 25 or 30 economic metrics since 1970. And you can see the chart. Why is that important? Well, we've been here before. We have been in an environment where the Fed dramatically raised interest rates. And Mm -hmm. if you take the time to review history instead of being arrogant because a crash happened last time in price, you would actually realize that, no, a price drop is not guaranteed, but a transaction crash is guaranteed. So the first thing to point out is I correctly called a transaction crash, no price crash. And I was right again, nationally speaking. Right. So as of this recording, we're sitting roughly at 4.2 million transactions on existing home sales. Prices as of this recording are record high. 60% of metros are at their record high. So that's where we're sitting today. Well, unfortunately, we have now had rates go over 7% for the third time. And as of yesterday, they broke a 52-week high. And I think they, uh, this recording is the 15th, so I think they're going higher from here. So what does that mean? Well, unfortunately, I think that means transactions go below 4 million. Right now, the cycle low of existing home sales is 4.02 million. My prediction for August, and I call this on August 3rd, is when this is reported in September, it will have a three-handle. It'll be 3.8, 3.9. So the short answer is transactions are going down. Everybody wants to know about price. Price is going to be flat. I've called that for a year. I see no reason to change that. The housing market is broken. But what people don't realize is while they're correct in saying affordability as a record low, which it is, they don't realize that the Fed broke not only demand, which is affordability, they broke supply. Mm-hmm. nobody caught that except me and maybe a couple of more you're sitting in a home with a three percent or a 2.8 and you want to move up or shoot you want to downsize you're not selling nope yep. your price you might not get approved for a home mm-hmm. at seven and a half or eight percent so you're staying put the one thing that about residential that's great today is i don't know what it is 90 some odd percent are fixed 30-year loans. So we didn't repeat the mistake of 06 where 50% were arms. So the short answer where I see nationally speaking is transactions are going lower. Prices are going to be flat. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to repeat last year. What what happened last year? Days on market went up. I think if you are a follower of one rental at a time or somebody that does the work, we're going to write some disrespectful offers on listings that have days on market 30, mm-hmm. 45, 60 days. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do some, we are going to do some amazing deals at 8% interest. 
Guys, I don't care what the cost of capital is. I just put it in my calculator and it tells me what I can buy. Yeah. This is crazy. People may not believe it, but I wish rates were 10%. I wish they were 12 because they're 10 or 12 for everyone. Right. And I just do the math. And if the seller wants, if the seller needs to sell, maybe they'll take yeah. my number. Mm-hmm. If they just want to sell, they'll take it off the market and they'll wait for next spring. True. True. So, so for, that's what I think. For our Phoenix, our members in here locally, I don't know what, what you know about Phoenix, but just your thoughts. Cause yes. So broke supply, the transactions are low. We, all those things are happening here, but well, we have that low supply, right? So there's. So I, I called Phoenix as well. I had a bet with a Phoenix broker. I think it's John Wake, but I may be confusing names because I talked to so many people. So he was on my channel last October and we were talking about Phoenix and he's a Phoenix expert, right? And it, it may not be him, but it's probably someone else. But anyways, and this is right when iBuyers were getting out. Okay. You guys had a you guys had an inventory spike that was like shot through the roof, mm-hmm. right? When, so rates go up and then the iBuyers cry uncle and they get out. And I remember telling him, and I have receipts on my channel. I'm like, you're going to have lower inventory in December than you do today. He's like, no chance. The inventory spike, the slow season, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you're not paying attention. You just have a bunch of iBuyers who are non-emotional and will take a loss to get out. Those aren't homeowners. Right. Those are some stupid investors who got over their skis who are playing with funny money. Once they're gone. So lo and behold, what happened? Phoenix had a big spike in inventory and it fell right down. You guys now, to my knowledge, are below last year. So you are right there. You're not, yeah, as far as inventory. So again, the iBuyers are gone. That little bubble that was self-inflicted because they were idiots is absorbed and gone. I think Phoenix is like most of the country. If you are below the median, I don't know Phoenix's median. If you have a clean move-in condition property below the median, it'll sell ridiculously fast. The luxury market, ice cold. That's my prediction for Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Got it. Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, our our median's like, was it, Mark? It's like 450-ish. It's crazy. You got to tell a first-time homebuyer, they got to be at half a million (laughs) potentially to get into a deal. We're we're going in. So I I like to pay attention to California, right? Because a lot of Californians are moving here. And you guys seem like you guys, like what Bruce Norris, like you guys kind of went through all this already. So I feel in Arizona, we should pay attention to some of the history I think that's that's really, I think that's really wise. I think when you do this long enough, you can start to see leading Mm -hmm. and lagging indicators. Yeah. I think Phoenix is one of those destination spots for Californians. Yep. Uh, So I think that's wise to watch that migration. Maybe look at U-Haul, right? People don't realize you can go to Mm -hmm. U-Haul. Hey, how much does it cost to move from Orange County to Phoenix? And then, oh, by the way, how about Phoenix to Orange County? You'll see a big price difference. That Mm -hmm. just tells you how many people are moving or going that direction. Amazing. Um, I think that's pretty wise, Mike. So let, let's, we haven't really touched on the book. We have we mentioned it a lot, but like, let's kind of go into the book one. The name is huge to me, uh, especially in this world of hundred grand a month, all that scale, stuff. Scale, 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 all that. Yeah. Right. And it's, and I went to a meeting years ago and it was about this executive, she had to become a millionaire through rental properties, whatever, through her corporate job. So she loved her job. She worked there for like 35, 40 years. And the whole pitch was not a pitch, but it was the, her story was I bought one property a year. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. I, uh, one Ritz, thank you for the I, one Ritz a lot of time is the way most people can get wealthy in a day. Yeah. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I very rarely talk about the size of my portfolio because it's not important. Right. I've earned financial freedom from the portfolio. That is important. 
I think most people, if they get to four rental properties, it changes their lives, just flat out changes so their lives. Yeah. And that should be the goal, right? Get one, then get four, then get 10 if you want to go more. But that's a great, this whole 100, this you're an idiot if you don't buy 50 units or more, that's all just marketing nonsense. But yeah, the book's actually interesting. People think one rental at a time is a how-to book. If you've read it, it is absolutely not a how-to book. Okay. It's, hey, Mike and Olivia lost a bunch of money in the stock market. They stumble across Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And this is their 15-year journey, the good, bad, and the ugly. Mm -hmm. It is a story. It basically is, hey, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, then what? Mm -hmm. That's what one rental at a time is. Now, the end of the book, it's like two sections. Like the first 60% is a 15-year journey. The last 40% are some themes and lessons and somehow two in there. But that's the book. It's a bestseller on Amazon. It's got 1,500 or so reviews. People send me selfies all the time. It's amazing. And that led to my second book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. I actually think that book is more important. Okay. One Ritual at a Time is my seminal book. It would probably be what I'm known for. It is the name of my YouTube channel, so I get it. But 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires is more important to me because it's what I needed at year two or year three. What do I mean by that? I read a book by Gary Keller. It's blue and white. I think it's called The Real Estate Millionaire, I think. And that book is great. But what I read almost daily for 10 years was the last 20 pages. In the last 20 pages, he highlights investors who got there. What I needed at year two and three is I needed belief. I needed Mm. to know that this slow trickle of cash flow would eventually lead somewhere. Yeah. So I wrote a book, 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires, because I wanted 15 unique stories. Not everybody is going to follow one rental at a time. So I wrote a story that included 15 stories. It actually has Meet Kevin is in there. I don't name people, but Meet Kevin's in there. He started with a 203K loan. Oh, okay. Uh, Jim Ingersoll's in there. April Crosley, Lazy Girl Investor's in there. One of the investors, Jason Pritchard's in there who just burned the boat like, hey, I'm going to quit my job, burn the boat. Not my strategy, but it is a strategy. So 15 Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires is, is, it's the book I hope everybody reads. And then you find the three or four stories that you like and you read them over. The first three to five years suck. It's slow. It's Mm -hmm. get rich for sure, not get rich quick. So what I did is I read Gary Keller's book because it was only 20 pages. Every week I would read those last 20 pages. Go, hey, look, they did it. We can do it too. They did it. We can do it too. So that second book is actually more important. And I apologize. It is 30 bucks. The reason it's 30 bucks is because I didn't know Amazon charges so much for pictures. (laughs) <laughs> so I put a bunch of pictures in the book and blew up the cost. I actually don't make hardly mm. anything on that book. But uh, if I if you have to do it again, don't put pictures in your Amazon book. That was a big mistake. <laughs> you know what you said, Mike, that's uh, Zuber, that's, that's really important, right? And I hope everybody captured what he said. And it's slow in the beginning when you're doing rentals, right? And that's one of the things that people don't understand. They see the glitz and the glamour of fixing and flipping and wholesaling and doing all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, it looks good, but it's always those rentals, that passive income is what makes you a millionaire. And even those fix and flippers and wholesalers, they get lost because 
normally when we go into real estate investing, it's for one thing. Hey, we want to learn. We want to earn passive income. We want to be able to sit on the beach and not do anything. And the only way he's going to be able to do that is through rental. So listen to Mike Zuber. What he's saying is it's slow in the beginning, but it's the economies of scale, right? Not just scaling the properties, but you take that $100 a month passive income and you reinvest it, let it stack, let it stack, buy another one. And that's what a lot of people fail to see, guys, is they see, well, I'm only going to make $100 a month on this property. I'm only going to make $200 a month on this property. How is this going to get me rich? Just trust the process. That's all I can say. And I'm sure you guys can attest to that. Just trust the process and you will start to see. I did a review one time just because, again, what I think getting wealthy is three steps. Super simple. You have to create dry powder called disposable income, cut mm-hmm. expenses, raise income, do both. Two, you got to become elite at something. For me, that's a buy box, but whatever it is for you, become elite at that investing thing. And then time. So I did one time I did this for someone, and I don't remember the numbers, but they'll be close. So when I got started, I had 40 grand. That was left over after losing all that stock market money. That mm-hmm. 40 grand, guys, was gone with my first three purchases. I think it was Norris, Simpson, and Terrace. What happened after that was I did some cash out refis. I did some 1031 exchanches, all of that. So I that went back like and looked form. at just. Sound yeah. like a law firm, right? Norris, yeah. Norris, Norris Simpson, Terrace, and yeah. Terrace. <laughs> exactly. That's good. That's good. So I went back and looked at that 40 grand. In 20 years, that 40 grand is over a million dollars in equity. It's like $300, 300 grand in cash via extractions. So it's time to your point, Marcus. Yes. The first three to five years suck, but when you're getting wealthy is about owning assets mm-hmm. for time. That's a big takeaway. And, and it hits you in different ways. Like when Marcus saying, be patient, like I didn't, it, it's hard. It's when you're new, you just can't see it sometimes. Right. And so you truly experience it. So there was multifamilies I bought like in 16, 17, got lucky, right? And then when COVID hit, right, and the rates dropped, right, I was like, oh, shoot, like I got all, and the prices went up. I was like, I got all this equity. I didn't go buy. I, so I did some refis, lowered my rates. Yeah, I restarted everything, but I took the, that equity and I bought more property. So mm-hmm. it's like, or it made also made me think, even if you're not looking to buy private or this that having access to that equity for your life, like if you need braces, put your kids to college, emergency surge, I don't know, right? Like just time builds that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to Amen. explain it. I know it could be hard to see when you're new, but hopefully that, that, that conversation. I wrote that book for that person. There are so yeah. many people that get in the game, they get the first one and they're like, I don't what? Mm-hmm. So that's why Just there's a book this. called yeah, 15 <laughs> Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires because they're all different stories. Yep. Uh, and just find the ones that resonate with you. And guys, as we talk about time, right? And that's the whole thing with compounding interest, right? It's the period of time is what help you make the money. So guys, don't get so caught up on how fast can I make it or how fast can I do something? Just look at the time. That's the reason why you're investing. Well said. Excellent. Excellent, Zuber. Great stuff. So what's next for you, man? What's next? You got these units, everything like that. What is next on the horizon for Michael Zuber? I think there's something I'm looking forward to doing. Obviously, all my investing to date has been in Fresno, California. Again, we're fortunate enough to now be enjoying the fruits of our labor. 
I might actually, we just picked up a very nice house in, in Vegas, Las Vegas. So I actually might be starting a brand new buy box and starting this journey from scratch okay. and just having some fun buying some onesie twosies here in Vegas. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to, I'm going to be learning a brand new market. I'm kind of excited about that. Hey, but as, as long as you got that buy box down, right? Exactly what to go after. And you're telling, <laughs> and you're telling everybody on social media right now on podcasts, so bring that's him right. your Vegas deals. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's yep. right. Exactly. Thank you, Mike. So Zuber, thank you so much, man, for being here, being a guest on the Azria show. Somebody wanted to reach out to you. I know you were saying your podcast and your YouTube channel and your social media. Give us, give us your handles. How can we reach out to you? The beauty of something I've done is everything is one rental at a time. So you can go to my YouTube channel, leave comments. I don't have a team. I'm just a one-man show. I read all the comments. If you wanted to send me an email, go to one rental at a time.com. There's a little button there. You can send me an email. Uh, buy my books on Amazon. If you've already had them, write a review. I would appreciate it. Give me some love, write some reviews. And uh, yeah, Instagram, I have one rental at a time. So if you want to send me a DM, that's probably the place to do it. All right, guys, you know what to do. It's one rental at a time, one rental at a time. This is Michael Zuber. It was a pleasure, sir, yeah. to speak to you once again, because your story always resonates with me personally because it's you get distracted sometimes so i want to thank you for being here once again any closing words zuber do Mike? the work do, do the, the work. work do the work love it all right guys thank you so much mike you want to give us the closing words episode appears well we've been talking about time a lot one rental at a time hold yep. your real estates for your for a long time and right now my phone's getting blown up. Emails are coming in. Take, I read something the other day, just take the present time with whatever you're doing, whether it's your wife, your deal, your business partner, focus on that moment in time and enjoy it. I don't know. It's been resonating. <laughs> that hit me the other day. I was like, I gotta, I gotta just push it, focus on the moment. So yep. that's my closing thought. All right, guys, thank you so much. Another successful episode of the Azria Show. Guys, you know what to do. You can find us on all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all streaming platforms. Yeah, all streaming <laughs> platforms. And then also reach out to Zuber. Let him know, yeah. hey, if this episode inspired you, reach out to him. Let him know so he can continue the great work that he's doing. Thanks for listening to the Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.